1: Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, welcoming you to the show on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're talking defense today. We obviously spent a ton of time on offense. I talked with Jordan Zerm yesterday, went into detail about the usual stuff on your comprehensive offense review, breaking down personnel usages, motion, uh, how the, the players performed across the board. If you would like to listen to that to kind of hear thoughts on Really, the failure across the board with the offense. Go back to yesterday's podcast that I think is pretty informative. It's it's a long one, but it's good, and there's a lot of topics that are covered that I think are important in that uh, in that episode. The defense, uh, probably under the microscope right now because you know the Browns' offense struck. They held you know they held the the Steelers to 15 points and really were good enough to win, and and they held them right around 300 yards. Obviously. In the NFL, if you hold a team to 15 points, you feel pretty good about winning a football game, but in this game, they only they only get 10, 10 points from the offense, and obviously the microscope starts to zoom in some on the defense as a, as a way or a means to discuss your frustration. Uh, I'm going to talk about the game here, some specifics about the game, and then uh, I have Since we didn't do a chalk talk, I have John Stephenson on, who I always have John on, who's a very, very smart defensive mind, uh, a really good coach at the level that he coaches at, and uh, some really big picture stuff I want to talk to him about where the Browns are eight weeks in on defense, so I think that's pretty informative if you want to stick around for that. Really quickly, the numbers from this game, so the Steelers ran 69 total plays. The Browns were in base, 26 snaps, nickel, 38 snaps, in an alarmingly low Only two dime snaps, so that's a big change. A lot, a lot of nickel, and base whenever Pittsburgh put a second running back or a second tight end on the field. There were three snaps in the goal line where the Browns only used two, uh, two, uh, sorry, three defensive backs on two of those, and then only two DBs on one of those three goal line snaps. Unfortunately, Pat Frymouth got the touchdown, When the Browns blitzed, everybody wants more blitzing, more blitzing. When they blitzed Roethlisberger, nine times they did it. Again, about the normal number. It's anywhere from 9 to fifty eight, eight to 15 is what I'll say. Roethlisberger, 7 of 9 for 114 yards when the Browns blitzed. It was ineffective. So, you know, when you're clamoring for more and more blitzing, that's probably not the greatest answer. We'll talk to John about that in a minute. I think it's, again, more about getting up in the face of defenders and playing some more man i think they should be upticking in man and i think john will concur with that coverage wise not a ton of differences but the biggest thing well there's a huge difference Uh, the normal stuff across the board the 11 snaps of cover one one snap of two man zero snaps of cover zero other than the goal line Uh, they didn't play a snap of true middle of the field cover two they're not a team that likes to do that The uptick was in 37 snaps of Cover 3. That's really high. 37 snaps of Cover 3 and only 5 snaps of Cover 4. You're talking like usually those two are split down the middle. And we didn't get any of that in this one. This is a way higher uptick of of Cover 3 snaps. And then they did sprinkle in when they wanted to go a little bit like their quarters. Look, they did some more deception stuff. They did 9 snaps of Cover 6. So they did you know mix it up but even so five snaps of quarters is alarmingly low and we talk about it with John on the interview here in a little bit that that's largely due to their big plays allowed this year have come when when they've been playing quarters so i will be paying particularly close attention to if they're going to eliminate the higher volume of quarters coverage the rest of the year i think it's something you definitely want to track if you're looking at where this defense is going, and uh, you know evaluating what has caused problems from a metric standpoint, Miles Garrett played out of this world. Uh, as you would expect, he had four total pressures. He had a sack. He had two, sorry, three stop tackles. A 94.3 rush grade. Again, mixing the speed and power at 275 pounds, he's a unicorn. So many pressures, but the ball just got out in time. He's just really good. 92.9 overall. Other players who graded pretty solidly. Grant Delpit, 69.8, one of his better scores of the year, 81.9 in run defense. and coverage, he was targeted twice. He did give up one catch for 22 yards. Jordan Elliott with the 69.4, one of his better games. He had a, a quarterback hit in this game, two tackles. Nice effort from him. He's kind of solidifying himself in the defensive tackle room, in my opinion, this year. John Johnson in his 29 snaps before he left with the neck injury was playing pretty well. Had a 74.5 coverage grade, 69.3 overall. Anthony Walker was a 67.8, 67.0 in coverage. He had three tackles, solo, five assisted tackles. He did have one missed tackle, but three stop plays. And I should mention, too, Grant Delpit had three stop plays as well. Again, stop plays are those plays that constitute a failure, whether run or pass, for the offense. Greg Newsom was very good in this game in my opinion. He did get credited with two missed tackles, but they were not backbreaking types of missed tackles. They were in confined spaces, a 66.7, 65.6 in coverage. He did give up 5 of 8 for 91 yards, but I thought he was pretty good. He was in the right places most of the time, and uh, you know, that 50-yard chunk play at the end changes changes everything when the game was essentially over at that point and they caught him with a perfect pick. It's almost nothing he could do. Uh, Odin Odenabo, 66.4 in his 15 snaps, not really a stat, but he was effective getting to the gap assignment in his run fit and getting after the quarterback. Sione Takitaki, 63.6, he did have a pressure in this game, a hurry. He had three tackles, otherwise two stop tackles. Malik McDowell was pretty solid in this one. Not great run defense. I didn't think either of the two defensive tackles that were in at any time in the rotation were very good in run defense. 45.3, but he was a, a much more effective pass rusher where he had a 78.7 grade in the sack in this game. So McDowell, again, proving to be an effective player. He had two stop tackles in this game. I think he's got a future as he continues to develop. Ronnie Harrison is 62.1, better in run uh, run stuff. In this, uh, in this one, he had an 83 tackle grade, a 70.9 run defense grade. He had seven total tackles on his own, solos. He had one stop tackle. Malcolm Smith of 61.6 to 69.1 in coverage. He had five stop tackles, eight tackles solo on the game. 3 for 3 in targets his direction for 27. Ronnie Harrison was only 1 of 3 for 2 yards. Joe Jackson played 23 snaps. He had a 60.6, 71.7 tackle grade. Not much to really discuss. He had two he had two of his own tackles. He was fine um greedy williams 74 snaps they really were picking on greedy at times he was four of eight for 40 yards and i thought he gave up if i'm checking here he gave up uh, a couple first down throws that were pretty crucial not very aware on that third and nine to play the sticks man you got to be aware there he had a 79.7 tackle grade which is good but only 61.6 in coverage Clowney only had two tackles he had his 57.4 defensive grade they charted him with a three-miss tackle metric on the game. I don't really remember them all too well, so they weren't all too meaningful, but that's why his grade dipped in his 56 snaps. Mac Wilson, a 53.4. He had three stop tackles as, uh, as well. A 79.2 tackle grade, uh, gave up a catch for 13 yards in coverage. Troy Hill with a 53.3 grade, 78.5 tackle grade, but again, the coverage marks were pretty low for this one, and he did not get great grades in run defense where he had one stop tackle, but he he allowed a couple bounced runs as the nickel corner to to hurt them. And then no surprise to me, Andrew Billings in 18 snaps had a, 50, sorry, a 48.5 grade, and Malik Jackson had a 38.2 grade. It's the worst Malik Jackson game I've seen from him, a 42.8 in run defense. He was moved all around. Andrew Billings continually moved all around. I think Malik Jackson's better than what he played. That was just not a good game from him. Uh, But Andrew Billings, I have zero, zero, zero faith in. So those are your metrics from the game. Again, I thought the Browns, they gave up 370. They were beat physically up front. But again, they were good enough in coverage and good enough situationally that they held Pittsburgh to just 15 points with really zero support from the offense. So it's it's easy to sit here and be mad. That's the, that's the sort of dilemma is it's easy to sit here and be mad at the defense, but really we're mad at a defense that gave up 15 points. They gave up 14 the week before. They've strung together good enough performance. They're playing winning football on the defensive side for Cleveland. The offense is just not helping them out. But I did, for the sake of some conversation points, want to bring on John Stephenson to talk about some of the, the philosophical things with Joe Woods, some of the coverage things they're doing, and then sort of tying in the big picture to the future of what this Browns defense looks like. So let's get over to OBR colleague John Stephenson's visit on today's podcast.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, got to talk defense. We usually do these on air, Twitch, but I wanted to get, as we've sort of in this weird season hit the midway point, I wanted to get the opinion of a guy I trust on defense like none other. Uh, We break down the Browns' defense as often as possible, and I thought this would be good for podcast form because I don't know if you always make it to the Twitch, some of you listeners, but I think you should be hearing John's opinion on this stuff. John Stephenson, how are you doing, first of all? And how are you feeling about your Cleveland Browns defense right now? We'll start with that.
2: Uh, doing great. I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to the Twitch viewers and let them know that uh, although they can't see me, I have the the backwards hat on this week. So <laughs> I know I skipped that the last few weeks, but I got to bring that back. So it's the brand. I was. Uh, I was it's the brand. That's right. Got to stay on brand. Yeah. So uh, you know, overall, with um, the defense, uh, some some good, some bad. Um, I oh, know. It's uh I'm 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 having I've been having a lot of trouble this season, sort of wrapping my head around um I guess I sort of like a summit of thought, like what I think about them overall. Um I just I kinda lean one way to the next going week to week. Um you know, it's overall uh, definitely disappointing, um, given all the talent that was added. Uh looking at the players that are out there, um I think we can all agree that uh, this is not what we envisioned uh from this from this team, from this defense. Um, lots of great, you know, lots of great performances from, um, you know, certain players. Um, you know, J.O.K. is a star. Um, he's been a, uh, I thought he was going to be good, but I, I didn't envision him being, you know, just the impact maker that he already is and just being so, picking uh, things up and being so, it's just so fast on the field. Uh, you know, it has been a, uh, He's been he's been a good addition. Um, it, it's been nice to see him play well in spots. Although he uh, he had a rough game in some spots on Sunday, including that uh, the Steelers' second touchdown. That was all on him. That was a uh, a misfit. Everyone else was good. Um, you know, Walker got blamed by a lot of people for that one. Um, Malcolm Smith as well, but it wasn't them. They were fine. It was uh, it was But so overall, uh, disappointing. Um, excited for some of the players that we've seen right there. But uh, I just I thought there was going to be more to this.
1: I think. They've been as up and down. I haven't studied this. I don't have any d- data to back it up. But as far as like a range of outcomes in games, I can't imagine there's been teams with as many good performances, like dot, like truly dominating performances, like we saw with Chicago and Minnesota, and just absolute clunkers mixed in too. So that's part of the frustration, mm. right? It's part of the frustration. So look, I got. I sent John a series of questions that I think are really. Uh, pertinent questions to where the Browns' defense is because um, there are parts of it I know you guys don't love, and then there are parts of it I think that they are doing the right sound approach, but they're just not getting results they necessarily are hoping for. So the first one I threw at you is that we talk about the Browns playing zone and what they're trying to do. It's popular NFL concepts these days. Too A lot of too high. They actually lead the NFL, John. And I was checking the uh, Sports Info Solutions data hub, which they do a great job with it. And in the tendency department, they lead the NFL in snaps with middle-of-the-field open coverage. So that's that's definitely a thing. Um, what is interesting to me is they obviously have this approach to, hey, we're going to eliminate explosives. We're going to funnel the football to certain portions of the field. We'll let you have this, that, and the other. We're not going to let you beat us deep, right? We're not going to let you... Uh, do maybe, maybe not going to let you run the ball, the places you want to run the ball. But to me, some of those target areas, they haven't handled well. Still, like I don't, we talked about it in the Broncos game where the quarterback is triggering everything he's doing shoulder point, hand off the football says flat and they're not breaking to it quickly enough. So I guess what I'm saying is, do you think they've handled what Joe Woods is asking them to do well? or does it feel like they are maybe fit for a different scheme better, like the collective group? It's a big question, but do you – I guess I'm saying, does the personnel they brought in fit what Joe wants to do?
2: Uh, apparently not. Just looking at <laughs> what, uh, what we've seen so far. Um, I know a lot of people think that uh, – I know a lot of people want to see more man defense Uh, first. I'm, I'm with them on that. I'd like to do some more man coverage, although they're um, – Something we're going to talk about this week um, via the film is um, over the last week, they started uh, playing man coverage backside to cover three as well as cover four. So they're increasing it in spots. I mean, it's more man snaps for the boundary corner right there. Um, Now, I just it's it's and this is sort of a philosophical argument, but it's it's. So, so playing man defense, it sounds great, like just play more man when you, when you say it, you know, in a vacuum. But when it comes to actually executing it and, and what you're going to face and who you're facing, it's it's just a different story there. And you're opening yourself up to the explosives. And what what really drives this team, as you said, is this this philosophy of no no explosives, no seams, no posts, mm-hmm. force the ball to the kill zone, tackle. And that's how, that's just how they're going to call the defense. That's that's why that's why Joe Woods was brought in because he had that experience in Seattle and then he had, am pardon me, he had that experience in, um, San Francisco, you know, playing for Robert Sala and you know, the Seattle Seahawks cover three system. Now this, this, uh, these cover four trend, Now uh, they, they didn't play cover four like, uh, you know, like it did in, uh, in San Francisco, not, not at this rate. So this is, um, you know, this is something a little newer, although the the league has been playing a lot more cover four, as I'm sure you've talked about it over the last couple of years. Um, it's just, it's a way that teams are going to combat all this, uh, like the tight zone and the play action and so on you want two deep safeties rather than one so you're not getting your single guy picked off so it's I mean that that is a trend it's an overall trend in the NFL but I don't know it just it, it's not I wouldn't say that it's clicking with these guys it just it, it isn't I don't I don't what that answer is I'm not sure I don't know what these guys are truly capable of or what the you know what, what the coaches are seeing in practice and you know, even what they're you know what, what they're talking about and what they're seeing and what they think the guys are good at and what they you know what they aren't so good at, but I, I think we could, we could all agree at this point that sort of the like the rate the usage um, the tendency I think they're still pretty schemed up um, the lack of disguise. I think that you know m- maybe it's not necessarily that they need to like throw the baby out with the bathwater and just turn into a you know a single high you know cover one. You know, man, all the time, team, but just the—I don't know—mixing up the coverages. Um, We've seen better disguise over the last three, four weeks, but really, really emphasizing um, the ability to disguise and so on. I don't know. I think that's that's probably going to be where where your answer is.
1: I would agree. I would agree. There, that that ties to the next question is which everybody thinks the answer, and I think was it Dean Pease who who went on Mm -hmm. he went at a reporter about this. People think the answer is to blitz more. You got to blitz more. Mm. And I don't think that's always the answer, but I'm curious your opinion. And maybe John, this ties into your, you know, every, every coach has a defensive philosophy and you're as a DC, Mm. you have your philosophy. Now it's not tied to the NFL, but it's a philosophy. He blitzes at a lower third of the NFL rate. Now this is not updated for week Mm. eight yet, but they blitz it. They've blitzed 50 times this year. And blitz usually means five or more pass rushers. Uh, That's a 19% usage, 22nd in the NFL. I don't think they blitz Pittsburgh a ton. I can't imagine that deviates a ton from that 22nd in the league number. But like, Mm -hmm. do you think he should be blitzing more? Do you think he should be blitzing less? Or or are they handling it at the sweet spot that they should be? Because, again, when you give up a third and eight completion for nine yards, people think, like, you got to blitz. You got these static quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. blitz, blitz, blitz. Mm -hmm. Do you align with that philosophy? And how do you think Woods is handling the blitz stuff?
2: Yeah, personally, I'm a I'm a hyper hyper aggressive uh, play caller. My uh, my blitz rate when I was calling defense in 2018. Granted, this is high school, so I'm not trying to. I know I'm apples and oranges here, but yeah, I, I had a ridiculous rate. It was well over, I think, 40 percent. Wow, well, like 45 when all was said and done. But I was also doing it to my personnel. I had a uh, I had a ton of dogs back there, so I could play a lot of man coverage, and uh, you know, so I, I was just kind of working with what I what I had in my strength, and just being cognizant as the game went on that I had to slow down because, you know, as soon as, you know, te- teams they they see what I put on tape, so they're they're coming out with the screens early. So I know, you know, after I, I blitz a couple of series, you know, when it's third along, I got to sit back and play cover two, mm-hmm. do something because you know the, the uh, the adjustments are coming. But either way, yeah, it's like like you said, it's. It's easy to say just blitz more in a vacuum, but the fact of the matter is you're taking you're taking a player out of coverage. So if you're you know, if you're comfortable doing that, then you're now you're probably gonna have some mismatches if you're playing man coverage behind. You know, particularly if you're blitzing someone from the secondary that really and in fact that almost eliminates your ability to play man coverage because you're gonna end up with a linebacker on a split out receiver. Um, and if you're playing zone behind, and the Browns typically play three deep, three under, or three deep defenders, three underneath defenders, you now have one less defender in that underneath zone right there. Mm-hmm. So you're you're creating holes, and also the the rules are, are a little more complicated when you you know when when you lose that player there. So it's just you know it's kind of, it's kind of a risk reward thing. Personally, I would like to see them pressure a little more. I don't think that they need to go hyper aggressive or anything, but I. I think that some, particularly some pressure in some non-traditional spots, um, like particularly the spots where where you expect Woods to play cover four, like when you get those second alongs, you know the cover four is coming. It just is, it's it's a it's a heavy heavy tendency right now, and I know they're aware of it, but for whatever reason they keep doing it. So you know I, I'm not privy to thinking behind that, but I think in some of those spots where he hasn't shown pressure so far, it would be him to uh, to send some.
1: I agree. I don't think it's like you should you should Martindale this thing, but I I do yeah. think there's a there's an uptick that could happen. Um, but again, it's, I really think
2: if you ahead. could just take like three or four like high leverage or just three or four situations a game where where you haven't you haven't sent pressure before for whatever reason, but you can figure out a way to do it in a way that schemes sound and you know take away what the offense is shown, I think that that, that could pay dividends. It does. It doesn't have to be a, you don't have to mash the go you know the go button. But like I said, just three, three, four, maybe five opportunities where you you typically don't and at least put something else on tape and give the coordinator something else to think about in those spots. You know,
1: that's the big thing is, you know, we asked the question earlier, like, does it feel like, and I actually didn't ask this as we talk about this off air, like, does it feel like coordinators, quarterbacks are super comfortable, which I think that if you eliminate pressure, mm-hmm. which they generate pressure pretty well organically, there's no denying that. But I don't feel like quarterbacks are that confused that often. Um, and I definitely think it feels like coordinators have figured out what the Browns are teaching their guys. Like, hey, here's your three-by-one rules, here's your bunch rules, mm-hmm. and they're manipulating Absolutely. them. Like, I think that that has led, and I think it through our conversation. So this is you know, typically anything I'm like, hey, man, I need to fact-check myself here. I send it to you. It's like it does feel like they've they've they know how the Browns react to certain things and they've manipulated them and that's been a, at least a large portion of the chunk plays we've seen, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I call being schemed up, schemed up. And my world simply means that the offense has a very good idea of what they're going to get. Like, let's say they expect to get cover three on this play, so they they ring up their cover three beaters. They ring up the concepts. They're going to take the pass defenders' rules and put them in conflict with each other. You know, play with their eyes, play with their space, and. Play with their depth you know all those things put together there and it's just really tough for for pass defenders to, to react when they're when they're getting like the, the other team's best coverage beaters thrown at them they just you're already at a, at a massive disadvantage on defense so you know when the offense has a good idea of what you're going to do and they're throwing their best stuff at you you're you're, you're in a no-win situation It doesn't matter how good you are. There's just not much. There's really just not much you can do about it.
1: Yeah. Because they, they'll, they'll give you all the window dressing to confuse you, you know, no greater example than what they did to them in LA. Right. I thought LA was the team that had the best feel for how to, how to scheme up some things that put the coverage rules in conflict. And I'm sure we're going to see more of that. The coverage stuff is another thing I wanted to throw at you. Do you, Do you like what they're doing coverage-wise? Do you think they're doing too much quarters? They're they're 28th in man-to-man usage after this week, so they don't do much Mm -hmm. man. And I think they have personnel to do it uh, a little more. Uh, I don't know what you think. I think they are three corners that play a lot, and even the fourth corner that they could bring on in either either injury or dime situations can do it. I, I think they should be doing that a little bit more. I'm curious your opinion on that. They don't play cover two. They play some cover six, you you addressed it earlier, and cover six is quarter, quarter, half. On the back side of the defense, there were, um, you know, you're taking away, a, a, you're rolling a corner down. Just so you, you listeners understand, it's uh, one of the safeties has half coverage, but the other side of the field, there's a quarter, quarter concept from the corner and the safety. Um, they do a little of that as an answer to some of the stuff they do a lot, which they play a lot of cover three and a lot of cover four. I mean, they play... Uh, according to some of these metrics, the highest number of quarters in the NFL, uh, they are literally leading the NFL in quarters. But they do more cover three by sheer snap totals, but they play the league's highest amount of cover four. They don't play any cover two. So I'm just kind of curious, man, like the low volume of man-to-man, high volume of zone, do you feel like it's working the way they're approaching it? From a, uh, phil- from a philosophical well, side john not not like from the you know from,
2: you know what I, i'd be curious to see how many explosives they've given up this season like there's in the pass game how many explosive passes and, and be able to compare that to uh, you know the other 30 31 teams in the league um, you know because that that's the uh, that that's the ultimate goal of this coverage and this this approach to calling the defense um, now i'm with you i think that they, i think that they could definitely play some more man coverage um, again it doesn't they don't have to become a top five man coverage team or even a top ten man coverage team, but being able to find another again maybe five, six, seven snaps a game where traditionally they've played zone and, and you know being able to, particularly if you can disguise it, place place a man out there, I think that that could that could again pay some good dividends. Um, you know, as far as the I don't know, the rest of the coverage, I think most of it comes down to I, I just like to see them change up their their frequencies a little bit and take some of those high cover three downs for example and play something else there and play you know um i'd like to see more creepers too i'd like to see them run some more of that sim pressure stuff we haven't really seen any of that over the last several weeks and uh i think that that you can you can get there's a great element of disguise in those things too that they they've set up and and i think that they could get away with just because they they seem to be so so coverage uh, or have such heavy coverage tendencies, you know, certain down and distances and areas of the field and so on. So I guess, yeah, I'd, I'd really just like to see them play. Like, I'd like to see an uptick in man because you're right. We have three. I think we have three man coverage corners, you know, three guys that can go out there and do it and give you quality snaps. Um, but, you know, but m- past that, I just I just like to see that the frequencies change. Just get out of these ten- these play calling tendencies.
0: This is the story of the one.
1: Do you think, I guess that my question would be, I know that the NFL's belief is that there's like high turnover and you try to teach Mm -hmm. your system and you try to fit guys into this. (laughs) Does it feel like, and I know this might be something you can't answer and you can tell me, "Hey man, that's hard to answer, but like, are they, is there too much? Do, Do you think that these guys are thinking too much? Do you think that's happening? Do they have too many checks to certain things and they haven't simplified this stuff? I'm just like, I just, I know that we went into this year thinking, uh, the, the, the the philosophy would be strong because they would keep things in front of them and now with better athletes they can go mm-hmm. play a little bit more aggressive and create more turnovers. We saw last year's team create way more turnovers, John. They've only created five mm-hmm. all year turnovers with this group which is definitely, I mean, it's indisputably more talented than last year's group. So it gets mm-hmm. me to thinking like are, are they doing too much mentally with them and that's then causing them not to play freely and is... A, a crux of the turnover thing too is turnover football to you something that can be taught or is it innate like i'm curious about that from your perspective as a as a teacher of football
2: sure so i again we can't answer this without being in the meeting room in the locker room and on the practice field and, and so on but i don't know i don't, I don't think it's too difficult cover three's cover three everyone in the nfl teaches it the same i mean honestly they're they're gonna have they're gonna be some some minor differences and you know the the drops and the specific coaching points and the depths and the leverage and so on but it's all basically the same thing it really is um there's no one cover three system that departs radically from all the other cover three systems so at this point i I think of it's more of a back to the you know the word execution i think it's execution errors but also but i'm also questioning um you know do, do they have the coaches in there that can effectively that can motivate and can teach this um i think that that's a fair question at this point as well um you know it's i don't know i'm kind of i just like i said i I sort of waver week to week on this i'm like a weather vane just kind of back and forth back and forth but i I don't think the defense is overcomplicated. i just don't it's not it's something else yeah i'm sorry what was the second question jake
1: well it was like philosophically with football like do, do you think you and you have different players come in, obviously, as you've coached along the years, like, can you teach guys to create turnovers or is it for the most part, yeah. maybe as guys are in their 20s now, 23, whatever, and beyond, it's just an innate thing? Or is it like the, you know, the science data scientists think where it's all random, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's I think strange. it's a little bit
2: everything. I know that's a. It seems like a cop out answer, but I think it's a little bit of everything. There's definitely variability to turnover. Some years, just everyone gets their hands on the ball and it happens. Uh, some years they don't. But you can also, you can also teach a lot of it. Um, you know, even in high school, when we have a defensive practice, we do a 10 minute turnover circuit every day where we're working with the different position groups on, you know, on stripping the ball. On um, you know high or tipping the ball you know blocking after a turnover that sort of thing so yeah it's something that you definitely uh, you can emphasize in practice and uh you know and again also some guys just have the inability for it you know look like at peanut the peanut punch you know like charles Tillman, like this just certain players just have a knack for getting their hands on the ball and getting it out um i think the team's been a little uh they've had some spots they have to make some of these catches some of these opportunities that were there i mean even uh Sunday's game, they had a couple spots where guys got their hands on the ball, but they couldn't haul it in. Yeah. Um, they just they got to finish. They, they've been in spots. It's not like they haven't been in or had opportunities to do it, but they just you got to be a playmaker, you know?
1: Yeah, you can't. That's the right, margin, but... margin for error on turnovers is as is razor thin as it gets in the NFL. Yeah, it really is. Um, I wanted to touch base again real quick on something we talked about earlier with coverage bus. So in cover four, okay, mm-hmm. Um, they've given up from cover four looks. The 75-yard Tyreek Hill touchdown week one was a cover four bust, which, again, that was a fluke play, though. That was Yeah, that was flukey, and know. that was
2: a scramble, too.
1: They've given up a 40-yard run from cover four. I don't really count that. We're talking pure coverage. The Mike Williams touchdown of 42 yards, the boot kind of, he rolled right and threw mm-hmm. it back. That was a cover four bust. Hopkins mm-hmm. touchdown in the, left, uh, in the left portion of the end zone where Ronnie Harrison jumped up and bit. Mm-hmm. That was a cover four bust. And then there have been a couple of seventeen yard completions. So not a ton of quarters bus, uh, but enough to still warrant some concern. Cover three bus. I sure. think they have this one uh I think that they labeled. oh also the uh seventy two yard touchdown was in Palms, right? We talked about that. So that was, yeah, was Delphine
2: and uh, Ward. Yeah, they're playing Palms and they didn't read the uh number two correctly. Yep. That's so right
1: uh the 19 yard screen pass I mean cover 3 doesn't have very many I mean it has a 19 yard screen pass it has a Kyler Murray deep middle shot for 34 yards that was uh, not a touchdown but a 34 yard gain so their busts are happening in cover 4 I mean the majority of those mm-hmm. big busts are happening um the there was a cover 3 bust there that remember that Tight end delay uh, touchdown against the Chargers where he threw it to the right mm-hmm. flat after he kind of snuck inside yeah. the blocking mm-hmm. 10. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another one, but there's really not as many. Let me check real quick. Cover six. And then, so cover six has no, they have an interception from it. Uh, they, they labeled cover six for Christian Kirk's 21-yard touchdown there on the first drive where he threw it. And remember that play where Hill mm-hmm. Denzel's conflicted yep. between, you know, flat and and uh deep coverage. So that's the only yeah. cover six bus, but they've only played 33 snaps of cover six. And then lastly, we'll look at cover one. That's the only other one. They played 79 snaps of cover one. And, uh, they gave up a 15 yard Tyrod Taylor touchdown run scramble. That's really, yeah. I mean, they haven't given up much. They've given up a couple, uh, screen pass, another screen pass touchdown. So yeah, I mean, it looks like cover four is the majority of the bus stuff that's going on. And, uh, that's tough because that's uh, the, it's where coverage is going, man. Right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: I'd, I'd be curious to uh, to dig more into is it is it because they don't? I guess because they don't they haven't mastered the rules of the coverage yet, and mm-hmm. you know all the little tweaks that go along with it. Or is it that that's the coverage we're seeing the the, the largest frequency of bussing because that's teams know when they're getting cover four. It's yeah. second and ten. We're getting cover four, so here come the killers. You know, here come the uh, the beaters.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. They're at 133 cover four snaps right now in 2021. Let's see how many they did last year. 2020, they did cover four 239 snaps. So they're going to probably get over that, I would imagine. Uh, Hmm. So uptick in that number this year. Uh, They'll probably end up a little bit over that. But that's where it seems like Woods' defense is going, you know, is – They're on Mm -hmm. track for 260 to 270. They only did 230 last year. So even with better athletes, which is typically a more aggressive approach, they're using more Mm -hmm. cover for. So there's some data for you. Uh, Before we go, listen, last question. (laughs) And this is a bigger question that's kind of tough to answer that we might not even know the answer yet, but I've asked it to you kind of personally. Do you think Joe Woods is the guy to figure this out? Do you think he has shown you enough now in a year and a half that you're like, I have the faith that he can do some unique things. He can teach it the way it needs to be taught. They can move forward with this group as they get more cohesion and figure it out. Or do you think it's just a, eh, I don't love the scheme that he runs. I don't love the way he approaches it. And it's probably always just going to be this up and down roller coaster.
2: Uh, you know, I think that obviously there's, there's a ton of data we don't have here. There's a lot we don't know. Um, gut feeling at this point, I think that it's, it's probably going to be a bit more of your, your second comment there. Just there's going to be some good games. There's going to be some bad games. I don't know. I just don't, I guess I just haven't, haven't seen this, this spot yet where he's, he's put together this, you know, this had this phenomenal run of defense, you know, across his career. Um, And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the man's forgotten more about defensive football than, than any of us, you know, live here and anyone listening to this, know you know, putting us all together, but for whatever reason, um, I don't know. It's just not uh, it just doesn't appear to be translating completely. And again, I, I can't put my finger on to, uh, onto the why, but I, I think it's that uh, we, we can all agree that this is, this, this isn't, this isn't working really, you know? Um,
1: yeah.
2: I, I don't know. I think they're going to have some, particularly if it continues like this, where we don't see just, you know, downright, you know, awfulness over several games, but we see the, uh, as you said, the up and the down age, I think they're gonna be some some hard conversations to have this off season, you know, amongst the uh, the brain trust and what they what they want to do here. But you know, I've always wondered too, just how uh, I guess how how adamant Stefanski was about bringing someone and uh, you know bringing Joe Woods in with him on his staff, and also if he really wanted someone that that had experience in the Seattle Seahawks cover three system, and if if that was you know what he considered a must have and philosophically if that that's what he wants his defense to be or if it was more just uh you know he knew him had familiarity they clicked you know what's it's a know. I'd be question. curious to I'd be yeah. curious to hear what Stefanski thinks about this stuff and philosophically what he believes about defense and if he was really the driver and bringing him in here and bringing the system in
1: Well the the thing that people forget is that Kevin is a background de- I mean he played defense like he he joined <laughs> Minnesota and was all defense until he got I think he got the the, uh, an offensive assistant role, and then the tight ends coaching job. But, yeah, he's like – it's not like he doesn't know defense. <laughs> like He has, he is deeply rooted in that side of the football. So your question there about how he feels about it, was it tied to how he envisions defense played, or was it, hey, Joe's my dude, I trust him, is very fair. And I would imagine we'll get that answer by the end of the year because um, I if it continues the way it continues and the Browns go 9-8, and eight, it's really hard to not see some changes made if they don't if they mm-hmm. flounder here. Uh, it's I don't see how it gets him. retained. I would agree with that. So it's we'll not, keep our eye on it. it. I would say John does as well with this as anybody I've come across. That's why I have him on Tuesday Chalk Talks. We will get back to that next week. There was just a lot going on with with the OBJ trade situation. We had to address that tonight. And trust me. Like I told John, we did not want to waste our time with that film. <laughs> it's just, it's painful. Right. Painful to go back and watch. So we'll be back after they play Cincinnati. Hopefully, we can have some good conversations and show you guys some good examples because that's the stuff that we love to do. So uh, until then, John, thanks for your time, buddy. I know everybody listening to this show got smarter about what the Browns do defensively and appreciate your insights, man.
2: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Jake.
1: All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Big thanks to John for taking time out of his night to join us. We did a live stream on Twitch about the trade deadline and nothing happened, but we all gave our opinion from the OBR about the dilemma, not the dilemma, the drama is the word, the drama of the day in Cleveland with Odell's dad's post and Baker Mayfield's wife liking certain things uh, that she's seeing on Twitter before her account went private and It was just a whole circus, so we talked about it at the OBR. That show is available to watch at the Twitch OBR if you'd like to go back and hear some of our opinions on that specific topic because we found it to be a pertinent topic for the day more so than covering film of a really rough game. But if you're interested in more film and more insight on the game, there will be all 22 scouting notes up for both sides of the football for your viewing pleasure Wednesday. Sometimes these things get chaotic, my 9-to-5... Uh, beats me up a little bit in trying to get them done during the day. It doesn't come to fruition, so I'll combine it into one article, have it for you guys ready to go, and uh, and have it posted on uh, on the OBR page, homepage for you guys who are subscribers. If you're not a subscriber, please do so. I think that effort that goes into that gives you insights on both sides of the football that are valuable. As a simple reminder, as I always say, thanks for joining. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for subscribing and downloading. Your support means the world to me. appreciate you all. Have a great Wednesday, and go Browns.